Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a popular blogger and member of Scholars for 9-11 Truth reports on the Ron Paul Institute's Peace and Prosperity Conference. You've got two groups that have to go in order to advance uh, peace and prosperity, according to Ron Paul, namely Democrats and Republicans. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, this is no time to be dealing with amateurs. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. They utilize the latest scientific technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them at this new number, 631-552-5835. 631-552-5835. That's 631-552-5835. Email paranormalcontractors at gmail.com and tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Morgan Reynolds from nomoregames.net is standing by to give us his take on the recent Ron Paul Institute Peace and Prosperity Conference. Of course, everyone here in Canada and many of you in the U.S. are no doubt talking about the recent photos and videos that have surfaced of our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in brownface and blackface. Will he survive politically? Will he ride out the storm as he always manages to do? Well, I'm sure in the coming days I'll be able to put together an episode on our Prime Minister, so stay tuned for that. The Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity is a project of Dr. Paul's Foundation for Rational Economics and Education, or FREE, founded in the 1970s as an educational organization. The Institute continues and expands Dr. Paul's lifetime in public advocacy for a peaceful foreign policy and the protection of civil liberties at home. Dr. Paul represented Texas's 22nd Congressional District from 1976 to 77, and again from 79 to 85, and Texas's 14th District from 1997 to 2013. He was a presidential candidate for the Republican Party and is the father of U.S. Senator Rand Paul. Morgan Reynolds is the former director of the Criminal Justice Center at the National Center for Policy Analysis in Dallas, Texas, and a retired professor of economics at Texas A&M University. He served as chief economist for the United States Department of Labor in 2001-2002 during George W. Bush's first term. He's a member of Scholars for 9-11 Truth. His blogs can be read at nomoregames.net, and he recently attended the Peace and Prosperity Conference. Morgan Reynolds, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited, fresh off the road. How are you? Hey, thank you, Richard. I'm fine. I'm proud to report. I might be declining, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of moderating the rate of decline. 
<laughs> That's the best any of us can hope for. So here you are to report on the fourth annual Peace and Prosperity Conference at the Ron Paul Institute near Washington, D.C. Tell me a little bit about the conference. What's it all about? Well, let me correct one thing, Richard. Uh, his institute is in Texas, uh, but uh, the conference is held near Washington, D.C. Ah, right, right. Dulles, uh, Marriott, near, uh, it's part of the airport complex there. So everybody kind of wrings their hands about, uh, we're in the uh, imperial city and uh, traffic is horrible and most of what they're doing there is horrible. So the Peace and Prosperity Conference, what is its purpose? Multiple, I would say. One, uh, virtually everybody there is anti-war. So uh, the idea is to bring together uh, some prominent and not so prominent speakers to give us an update uh, on uh, the, if the, you call it a movement, uh, in opposition to war and trying to break the, um, what the consensus is putting it mildly uh, about uh, our militaristic uh, foreign policy. Trying to, uh, I recall last year that uh, McAdams said, uh, you know, when, when it comes to anti-war institutes, we're it. And uh, Ron Paul actually, toward the end of the conference, uh, pointed to the new Quincy Institute, you might have heard of this, where George Soros and Charles Koch, no. uh, apparently on opposite sides of the mm -hmm. ideological spectrum, have uh, gotten together to, uh, to promote peace. And uh, Ron Paul says it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the more the merrier. And, uh, of course, anti-war uh, really is kind of ideological neutral when it comes to the ordinary divisions. Uh, you can be right wing or left wing and yes. be very anti-war. It's interesting watching the, the Democratic field for a president and Tulsi Gabbard, who is very outspoken. I think she would, I think she'd get along pretty well with Ron Paul. Some of her liberal policies aside, at least on foreign policy, I think they would see eye to eye. But she's being just sort of eviscerated by her colleagues in the Democratic field. Agreed. Yeah, she would be the only uh, candidate that I've uh, heard that uh, I would be interested in, in voting for. David Stockman, uh, one of the uh, speakers, uh, maybe may the most, uh, one of the top three in terms of fame, he says, by contrast, Senator Tom Cotton, the Republican from Arkansas, my current uh, state of residence, he calls him the dumbest man in D.C., a neocon nitwit. And w when Trump was talking uh, something of peace, the, he was uh, eviscerated by an apoplectic Democrat party and the CNN war channel. Right, right. It, it, so was that just, when 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 uh, Trump was making overtures, he wanted negotiations with the Taliban? Yeah, I think that is the context. There's right. so many possible, but right. I think you're right. Well, you mentioned you mentioned David Stockman. Let me just remind listeners: he was President Reagan's director of the Office of Budget and Management. Very conservative fellow, as you point out in your article at uh, NoMoreGames.net. Stockman's a brilliant and prolific writer. So that he would show up at the Peace and Prosperity Conference is interesting. What else did Stockman have to say? Well, he opened by uh, uh, flattering the audience, which I think is a sound tactic, and he said, <laughs> uh, I appreciate the, that insurrection against the imperial city is alive and well. So he <laughs> got nearly standing applause, I don't think so. Uh, but it, and uh, he reminisced uh, a bit initially when 
he thought back to uh, 1968 and he said, we thought we had the country turned around uh, with the Vietnam debate. Now there is no debate. I mean, that's the the whole point about Americans being indifferent to uh, foreign policy by and large and not realizing uh, what it costs them to... uh, fund all this uh, military adventurism overseas. You, you write here that he put the true annual budget cost of U.S. warfare at $1.1 trillion, the annual U.S. warfare budget. Right. Yeah, well, of course, here he's adding up everything, the intelligence uh, budgets, the uh, Homeland Security Department, the VA. I don't think he's uh, discounting uh, the, the future expenditures uh, by all these agencies, but you know, we've had a proliferation of them. I can remember when I was the chief economist in the U.S. Department of Labor, the Bush-Cheney administration created the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, uh, out of whole cloth, all within house as a gigantic new uh, out-of-control bureaucracy. Instead of uh, trying to you know d- deal with the airports and the airlines and allowing for uh, some private contractors and alternative means. I mean that that's uh, what what we've got. And right, right. Uh, Ron Paul addressed this uh, toward the end of his talk. Of course, he was the uh, ultimate speaker. But you've got two groups that have to go in order to advance uh, peace and prosperity. Uh, prosperity, according to Ron Paul, namely Democrats and Republicans. (laughs) Well, yeah, are are philosophically bankrupt. Well, that is uh, that's that's the war party, right? It is a combined. It's the combined Democrats and Republicans. It doesn't matter what political stripe they are. They together. They're the war party. Absolutely. Yeah, he didn't use that term, but uh, that reminds me of Justin Raimondo, who I miss, uh, the brilliant writer for uh, antiwar.com, who who died, uh, what, within the last year. The other thing that Stockman said was that it's time to uh, to get rid of NATO. He calls it, a you know, it's just a total, total waste. Oh, yeah. Most useless, obsolete, dangerous organization in the world. Yes. So that's one reason I love uh, listening to Stockman or reading him uh, because he it's a black and white world and he, he to quote him he said the most useless nato the most useless obsolete and dangerous organization in the world it's butt naked behind still ignored how can these uh bureaus these organizations just they're, they're uh, eternal right once created now there there are there have been a, a few cases where uh, organization or government bureaus go out of business. I remember the CAB, the Civil Aeronautics Board, which used to you know be the price setter for the cartel, the airline cartel. But that's very unusual. So and then Stockman rails against uh, all of these to me obvious ills. For example, uh, the, the Trump. Uh, appointed these really bad people like uh, Mike Pompeo and then John Bolton, who was fired. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he was fired. Right, right. He can talk about resigning, but composing a letter the day before, that's that's not uh, resigning. (laughs) Well, Bolton reminds me of Dr. Strangelove. I mean, he I think he wanted the United States to, to put 
boots on the ground in in Hong Kong and liberate those people. I mean, they're they're patriotic and brave, <laughs> and but you know, he wanted to start World War Three with China over Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, it, it's absolutely. Here's here's uh, my comment. Remember the uh, bridge on the River Kwai, the yes. great. Yes. Seven movie. It was uh, voted the best picture of the year. And at the end, Major Clifton, the the doctor, the medical physician, he looks at all this destruction and some bodies, and he just says, "Madness, madness." Yes. That that's a guy like Bolton is a Doctor Strange love. Yeah. He wants to go to war. He never met a war he didn't like. And the guy, you know, where's the skin in the game? Uh, this is what another one of the speakers who uh, is a young economist by the name of Nathan um, Goodman pointed out. Where is the negative feedback mechanism? You well, keep screwing up, screwing up, and where are the consequences for the screw-uppers? Oh, exactly. No, Washington never makes a mistake. They just will not admit it. <laughs> but, you know... I don't, I don't want to get overly political with with Trump. I like, by and large, the direction he's trying to take. I think he's he's got such a monumental, almost impossible task. It's like running uphill in sand. But at least the United States is not involved in a major new war. I think I don't think we would we could say that if let's say Hillary had been elected. I think we'd be in Syria by now, boots on the ground, like major a major war. Mm. But I don't understand Trump's appointments either. I think he's I think he's getting some either some horrible advice or he believes in this that credo keep your enemies close, something like that. I don't know. But he brings in these neocons and these uh, hawks and then he ends up firing them because he doesn't want to be dragged into a war. He wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. He got talked out of it. But at least we're not in a major conflict right now. And I think we would be had the election in 2016 gone the other way. What do you think? Yeah. It certainly could be worse. Uh, you know, Colonel Douglas McGregor was one of the speakers, and I, I really like him. You can see why he would be a leader of uh, warriors out there. And uh, he points out, uh, just as Stockman did, there are no threats to the USA in the world. Stock here's uh, Stockman put it uh, uh, very well. says, there is no Russian and or Chinese intent nor means to conquer the USA. So what is your national security problem? Okay, so uh, McGregor is, by the way, he's been mentioned as a possible successor to Bolton as the national uh, security advisor, which would be an amazing appointment. McGregor did start out, and I'm not accusing of, of him campaigning for the job, but he said, I voted for Trump. And I'm going to vote for him again. Well, right, that right. was my my rationale was what you mentioned. We've got to stop Hillary. She was going to initiate the uh, opening of a nuclear exchange with Russia. Yes. Over yes. what? Over what? Russia is a, a a great power. They're a major nation in the world. They have their neighborhood. Okay. And what are we doing? Expanding NATO and threatening them. You know, surrounding them, and it's it's uh, natural for them to uh, say, oh, "Okay, hey, wait a minute." The eastern Ukraine, they, uh, there's a lot of Russian, pro-Russian sentiment there, and on and on. It's our we're the aggressors. There's no more dangerous uh, nation in the world. And, well, to go back to McGregor, he points out to he calls Trump the American id. He blurts out the truth. Yes. Yes. 
For example, why defend Japan? Yeah. And Gregor says uh, we, we need to withdraw from Okinawa, have Japan re- reassert itself as a great power, which sounds uh, oh, really dangerous, but Japan needs to be uh, stop being the lackey of the United States and assert itself its its sovereignty and its independence. So I agree with them. I don't think we would see a repeat of what happened in Japan during the Second World War because they've been westernized to such an extent that I don't think I could see them following a, a cult like well, you know hey, some. Here's, here's where the, the the most powerful point about Japan is: you look up. What are their natural resources? They have none. <laughs> <laughs> right. The only thing you could mention is seafood. And they're <laughs> right. ambitious, uh, intelligent people. So they've got to def- depend on trade. They've got to import their uh, their energy and on and on. Yes. All materials that they're going to process. And, of course, they were never supposed to become a major auto producer. But uh, they've... The U.S., of course, uh, backed them in to force them virtually to attack Pearl or uh, to to or and and annex uh, just the way Je- uh, Germany is actually a smaller landmass than Japan. Oh, Germany is better fixed natural resources, but Lebensraum, you know, elbow mm-hmm. room. So when you have uh, all these tariffs and inter- which Trump doesn't understand, let's face it, you know. He's, he's a, in a lot of ways, he's a nincompoop, but he's inexperienced. And uh, however, he is a disruptor. He's got his heart in the right place and in, 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 uh, on a lot of issues, I'd say. Right. So, well, uh, I, don't th- I don't think Trump is a, necessarily a fan of tariffs. I think this is just all a negotiation tactic. And he's playing chicken with China. And China is, I think, starting to crack. Yeah, that, that may be. But I, I, I don't know how this is going to end. Uh, it may end badly. It is true. China is more fragile than it would appear. And uh, and I hate it when Tucker Carlson, for example, starts uh, this uh, war uh, drum beating along with uh, so many others. Oh, you know, because they're going to displace us as the number one uh, economic producer in the world. And they're going to they have no blue water Navy, for example, as Stockman points out. Hmm. Nobody's going to conquer the USA. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I don't like the value system obviously in china is horrendous the government oh. there that's a this is they tend to get a pass in a lot of sort of liberal democracies our prime minister for example loves china the chinese people we love of course that's that's a mm-hmm. different matter and the culture is fantastic but i'm talking about the the government over there that's it's to me it's no different than nazi germany it's an absolute horror show it is sure and uh it disturbs me that it's likely the cia has uh, got its fingers into this Hong Kong protest, which could well or maybe likely end badly for uh, any freedom-loving individual or much less the people in Hong Kong. Right, right. But And you make, that's a powerful point, is to separate uh, the warmongers and the government from the people, even though there's, uh, in the long run, uh, you could argue uh, every people has the government it's deserved. But a, a couple of the speakers really uh, pointed that out. Don't say our foreign policy, for example. Let's just separate, because then you're going to be offended or defended uh, when somebody attacks uh, your country's foreign policy and so on. It's not about we. 
Daniel McAdams pointed that out at the beginning, and then uh, uh, Lou Rockwell. Uh, and we've got to. How how are you going to break Washington's addiction to uh, warfare? Well, McAdams said uh, you got two things. One is clear. We've got to reassert control of our language. We've got to be more precise. And number two, we've got to uh, reassert control of our money. That bottom line is get rid of the Federal Reserve, which is the great enabler of uh, the welfare and warfare. Right, right. It's very easy to wage war when you don't have to tax Americans to raise the money. You know, the last Republican, I think, who made a a mantra of this was Dwight D. Eisenhower as president. If we're going to have wars, if we're going to have a big military, the people have got to pay for it. And he's saying up front through taxation. Not stinky what uh, Ron Paul called the sneaky way uh, you steal from Americans, which is uh, via depreciation of the money. Exactly. Let me ask you a little bit about Ron Paul and the whole movement, because he had such a groundswell of support from young people, freedom-loving young people. He was turning young people onto the idea of liberty again. And in just a few short years, that all seems to have gone by the boards. Now we have young people on college campuses protesting free speech for crying out loud. They, they, They want less freedom, it would seem. Ron Paul must be disheartened by what's happening on college campuses. It's uh, that's an interesting uh, uh, juxtaposition there because Lou Rockwell pointed to the young as being encouraging because fewer and fewer of them are warmongers. They might be way too ma- leaning to socialists, but uh, I don't hear a, a real thirst uh, among the young for warfare. And then Ron Paul, uh, he's always heartened and and boosted by association with the young. In fact, uh, uh, the Friday before the conference, they went a new way. And Hornberger is the head of the, uh, not fee, but uh, what does they call that? The Freedom Foundation. He was one of the instructors. And they're going to attract young people that are uh, pro-peace in this uh, context. And so they're very heartened about it. I'm not, and you know, Ron Paul has a certain amount of charisma. He's a he's a nice, he comes across as such a nice guy. Oh, certainly, and yeah. and yeah. A, and a truth teller in a way that Trump did. In other words, Trump's tweeting. Well, half of it might be BS, but he tells you what's on his mind or what he thinks. The most and, transparent president in history, no question. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you know what he's thinking every minute of the day. Yeah. Yeah, and he'll get up and he'll send out 10 tweets. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's maybe a clown show, as uh, some people painted, but it's not the only one, that's for sure. When you look at the Democrats, uh, the, the one people they're putting up against him. I found it interesting that one of the uh, the speakers was Rick Sanchez, formerly of CNN, who, who now is with RT America. I'd be curious to know, I don't know if he addressed this, but what does Sanchez think of what's happened to his former network? Well, he, uh, I, I think the best way to uh, put that is that his opening line was, I was fired by CNN. <laughs> so people, you know, cheered for that. Right. And, and he, he also said, as I, I report in this uh, article I did, that uh, 
he, he uh, said, hey, this is amazing that you'd watch a Cuban guy on Russian TV to get the truth. <laughs> That's a great line. He, he is He's a very uh, charming, charismatic uh, guy. And uh, I can see why he was a success on CNN. And then he, he got fired, he claims, after he received a book offer from Penguin, and uh, but CNN had to review it, and uh, they uh, vetoed it uh, by saying, you can't say that about Latin American history, but it's the truth. Doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, come on, CNN is that bad, I, I believe. Well, he, just- he, he also talked about why mainstream media has gone south, and, and because that's important in the context of this whole addiction to war, uh, because there was a time, uh, you mentioned Vietnam, when you know people like Cronkite, they were speaking out against war, and now the mainstream media, which is populated by very left-wing people, yet... The only time they will call pre- uh, Trump presidential is when he bombs somebody. Yeah, it was interesting. Rick Sanchez, uh, and I believe his numbers, the number of bombings per year under Bush, 12,000 bombings a year. Obama, the peace uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, 20,000 bombings a year. And now Trump. 44,000. And Trump was the peace candidate. He questioned our foreign policy, which uh, enthused me. But hey, President Trump, I'd like you to meet candidate Trump. Let's get on with it. But how much of that bombing, uh, because he basically told the military in terms of, he changed the rules of engagement for the military when they were battling ISIS and just said, you don't have to run everything by me. If you think you're ready to engage, you see an opportunity, then, then go at it. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't credit him uh, much for that. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to micromanage from Washington D.C. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of uh, freedom to engage out there as it is. There was just a, an item about uh, mass bombing of uh, s- some alleged ISIS-controlled small island in, yes, uh, in a river there in the Middle East. So, uh, and uh, as far as I know, ISIS uh, really lost because of uh, Russia, maybe Iran, and then the Syrian government uh, getting back on its feet under uh, Bashad. Mm. So I, I, I don't think uh, that the U.S. had a whole lot to do with defeating ISIS, which apparently is a, a, a shadow of its former self. More of my conversation with Morgan Reynolds of NoMoreGames.net when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Christian Dicadieu is the co-host of an exciting new podcast called Reverse Speech Radio, and he joins us once again. Hey, Christian, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard. We're continuing on with our little mini-series on Roger Patterson, of course, the, uh, the Patterson footage of Bigfoot from 1967 is so famous and uh, has been scrutinized perhaps more than any other uh, singular piece of film footage. What do you have for us this week? Okay, this particular reversal is clearly, in my opinion, is the quintessential statement from Roger Patterson's unconscious mind that validates irrefutably that the entire Patterson-Gimlin film was not a hoax. All right, let's have a listen. He didn't uh, act scared, but yet he acted leery of us. So you're a little guy, they do very scat. 
All right, the forward speech in this clip, it sounds like Roger Patterson is saying it didn't act scared. Then there's something in there that's a little unintelligible. But basically he's saying it didn't act scared. Then in the reversal, it sounds like he's saying something about urine and then mm -hmm. ape scat, as you said. Urine and yes. ape scat. That's exactly correct. The most crucial word here is the word ape. Um, not even so much urine or, or scat, but the fact that Roger Patterson's unconscious mind states that it is an ape. And there are so many people out there, so many researchers and extremely credible individuals who will who have made the claim that it is a humanoid based creature or some people calling it possibly a, a descendant of the Nephilim or perhaps an interdimensional creature. Listen, I, I, I don't think anyone's necessarily wrong or right. All I can tell you is that based on on the reversal from Roger Patterson is his statement of that the creature is ape from the ape scat. Now, that to me is just such a winner. Our understanding of this is that it is hands down unequivocally an ape-like type creature. Or at least Roger Patterson's unconscious mind believes that that's what it was, that it was an ape-like creature, which again rules out, according to the, the science of reverse speech, it rules out a hoax. That is correct, yes. All right, how do people listen to Reverse Speech Radio, Christian? Well, you can listen to Reverse Speech Radio by going to reversespeech.ca and clicking on the link, Reverse Speech Radio, or you can certainly find us on the Libsyn platform at reversespeech.libsyn.com. New episodes drop every Thursday, reversespeechradio.libsyn.com. Talk next week. I look forward to it, Richard. Thank you so much. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Morgan Reynolds is here discussing the recent Ron Paul Institute Peace and Prosperity Conference. Another speaker at the fourth annual Peace and Prosperity Conference was former CIA State Department uh, official Larry Johnson. Yeah, I was disappointed, uh, to put it bluntly, uh, in, in what he dwelled on the um, Russia Gate phenomenon. And uh, as I recall, yeah, he, and he, he is part of a uh, money laundering investigation uh, private company. But now here's the best part of his talk. He said that uh, he introduced himself by saying that uh, he was uh, participated in an NFL Bobby Mitchell classic golf tournament. And he was part of Night Train Lane's uh, foursome. I remember, uh, I'm old enough to remember the Detroit Lion great Night Train Lane. <laughs> Somebody in the, in the crowd pointed at Larry Johnson and asked, who's that? And a little boy answered, he's a nobody. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I thought that was good. But the main thing about uh, I'd point out about his uh, talk was that the um, DNC claim, the Hillary camp claim, 
that the Russians hacked uh, the DNC server right. is nonsense. And this has been uh, pointed out uh, over t- for some two and a half years now by uh, VIPs, the Veterans uh, Intelligence Professionals for Insanity. I've uh, br- brushed uh, shoulders with uh, Ray McGovern. And then Bill Binney is the real guru on this because he's a former N- NSA architect of their surveillance and uh, what must be true because of the download speed, it couldn't have been a remote uh, hacking. It had to be a a thumb drive or an internal transcription. Right, which points to Seth Rich again. It all points to Seth Rich. It does, and he mentioned, Larry Johnson mentioned that uh, Ellen Ratner, a former uh, Fox News contributor, reporter, claims to have interviewed Julian Assange when he was still in the Ecuadorian embassy for hours, and uh, Assange told her that Seth Rich uh, supplied the DNC emails. So I don't know about that. You know, Assange promises complete confidentiality, and I don't trust Assange at all anyway, but uh, that's another story. But at any rate, uh, that's where, uh, and he also accused the uh, Obama administration, of course, of spying throughout well before July 30, 2016. Yeah. So I, I just say, uh, hey, we'll see if John Durham's investigation is going to be honest and uh, really uh, further uh, the factual background of what happened. Right. Yeah. Let's. Are we going to see some indictments and how high will it go and who in the Obama administration will be, will fall? We'll see about that. Hey, I want to uh, point out something here on uh, your website, nomoregames.net, and that's where you can read Morgan's blogs. And that is, this is kind of coincidental because... Recently on the podcast, I replayed an old interview I did with Dr. Judy Wood. It was part of a a 9-11 commemoration. And so I went back into uh, the archives and found an old interview I did. And and here it is on your website as your book of the decade. Where did the towers go? Yes. Yes. I I stand by that. Wow. Book of the decade. Yes. uh, Well, look uh, how important 9-11 is. This is the uh, mother of all false flags that uh, sustain it. It it unleashed the U.S. military on the world, on the Muslim world, for sure. And I was uh, uh, didn't appreciate how smart the perps were uh, because I said, well, this is going to run out of fuel because this to make to replace the Soviet Union as your big uh, enemy by the Muslim world. This this is kind of a small change uh, deal. But war generates its own warmongering, uh, waving the bloody flag. Never forget that phrase. It occurred to me when I was thinking about, uh, I posted something uh, there on Monday, and uh, I said, you know, never forget. What is that about? That's like uh, ginning up uh, hatred. It really is. And uh, Lou Rockwell dwelled on that, uh, that uh, you look at back at World War One, uh, the evil effects of war. You have sh- chauvinistic programs, hate, demonization, making people expendable. Those are uh, people, you know, that are subhuman or beneath us. It, it corrupts everything. It's moral degradation. And uh, actually, I looked uh, on, the, on the web. They had, uh, I think Google directed me to 101 of the most important pictures about 9-11. And number 34 hit me because it was some cadets. I don't know if they were naval cadets or army, but one of them had this uh, paperback book in his hands. It, saw, it, it said, 
kill the title, kill Osama bin Laden. <laughs> you know, come on, that's that's what Never Forget is about. You know, we got to go after these bad guys and guess how much collateral damage, which is those are human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, Lou Rockwell dwelled on that. It's uh, it's it's just uh, you want how would a guy like John Bolton? Let's take his firstborn and uh, you advocate war. All right, he goes. He's, it's it's so worthwhile to you. Well, his his solution for everything seems to be military intervention. And um, as you say, I don't. I think finally, not only the young people, but I think just average working class people all over have had enough, and I don't think they're going to buy the lies anymore. Hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. And, and uh, yes, that term intervention or interventionism is a, a mantra for uh, the Ron, Ron Paul and his institute. And uh, he actually argued that the Federal Reserve, uh, with the next, with the coming economic crisis, bigger and better than ever because of debt uh, being shoved at just unbelievable pace there he says there's not going to be any free ride for the fed you know they've worn out their welcome I, I hope it's true and a new qe as a solution won't be believable so that's very much what you're saying about the war weariness it's going to be just fascinating to see how they're, they're going to lie their way around it and how the media is going to try and keep this uh this institutional arrangement uh stitched up well <laughs> We need a wholesale reformation of the mainstream media. They're, they're just in lockstep with the war party. They're supposed to be, you know, on our side. They're supposed to be afflicting the, uh, afflicting the elite and giving comfort to the oppressed. And they're doing the exact opposite. It, and Rick uh, Sanchez had a little bit of analysis about that, saying that one of the things that stimulated all this, I think it was him, uh, was uh, Watergate, where... Uh, now the message or uh, belief went out that instead of getting it first and getting it right uh, was what we are, are we're crusaders instead of journalists. And then he lamented the fact that uh, sales departments for uh, the media essentially control the news now, and he claimed that Raytheon sits on the board, uh, Monsanto the medical insurance operations, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, th that firewall that used to separate uh, th that kind of pressure from uh, the real business of journalism is, is crumbled. Now, he claims that RT, at least we have independent auditors and outside auditors, and that might, might help alleviate this problem, although maybe not on Russian issues. <laughs> right, so, right. You know, so there's uh, he, he had some good ideas, some insight into uh, why we're in this fix. Now, wh the other, on the other hand, the good thing is that uh, the media are crumbling. They're laying off people. I mean, I used to get the uh, Arkansas Democrat uh, Gazette, which was the dominant state uh, newspaper out of Little Rock. And I... I I just, once they raised the annual to over $400, I said, I'm not putting up with their pe these people, you know, because they, they never tell the truth about uh, historic events that keep coming up, you know, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, you know, the end of World War One, on and on. I know too much. 
<laughs> so they're lying to me. And uh, one of the main uh, ways they lie is by what I call omission. Yes, yes. Primarily, the, more so than commission. But Rick S Sanchez, what did he uh, call that? Oh, they, they, uh, they don't tell you really the context. They don't put it in context. Because, hey, the context would give away what's really going on. The good news, I think, is that, uh, of course, alternative media are, are filling the gap and out-competing them. And the, the, the uh, prestige and believability of uh, major media has plummeted. It's, yes. it's down oh, it's, in the 12, 15 percent range. Yeah, it's less than it's it's less than uh, Congress. I think their approval rating. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the Congress, of course, I you know, I uh, when Trump started up on his uh, tariff wars, I said, how can he? Uh, you know, all tax bills are, are to originate in the House of Representatives, the People's Chamber. And it turned out, what was it, back in the 60s, uh, it was delegated to the president as a part of foreign policy, and the executive branch has to dominate there. Well, I mean, the Congress is, is, is a disgrace, uh, especially on the war and peace issue. Now, they've come to life a little bit trying to get uh, Trump to back off from uh, helping the Saudis in the uh, Yemen war, which that uh, shows a little life, but... We have a long way to go. The pusillanimous, these, these people in the Congress don't want to take responsibility, really, for anything. Right, right. Look at the fiscal fiasco underway. Over a trillion dollar deficit in times of so-called prosperity and low unemployment. It's, it's a, you know, a rocket to devastation. Just uh, want to get your take on this before we wrap up. And you mentioned the alternative media and how they've really started to fill the vacuum. And of course, they are such a threat now to the mainstream media that they're just being, of course, denigrated and called conspiracy theorists. But here's a perfect example. And this is a story that only the alternative media is reporting. And we just we talked about the uh, the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, and then for the first time ever an elected body in the united states is stating that it's beyond any doubt that explosives not plane impacts and fires alone destroyed the three world trade center towers commissioners from the franklin square and munson fire district located near queens new york unanimously passed an historic resolution on july 24th that calls for a new investigation to, into all aspects of 9 11 which cites quote overwhelming evidence that explosives were planted in all three towers prior to 9-11. The resolution states that the district's board of five commissioners fully supports a comprehensive federal grand jury investigation and prosecution of every crime related to the attacks of September 11. It was mass murder, says Commissioner Christopher Gioia. He said that in an interview. And again, this has not been covered at all by the mainstream media. Whether or not you believe there was a conspiracy or not, whether you believe in the official version, the mainstream media should be, at least out of curiosity, covering the fact that the Franklin Square and Munson Fire District, and they lost firefighters, first responders, on the day and then many, many after due to exposure, uh, they're asking for a grand jury. Well, I wish they had the, uh, the right charge um, because think of it as a criminal prosecution. You, you have this charge, you've got to approve each component of the uh, charge beyond reasonable doubt to win a criminal conviction. 
and uh, they it wasn't planted explosives. So I, th I think there, uh, I, I've seen some reference to this, but I think the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, uh, which is a misleading, uh, misinformation outfit, uh, you know, they're controlled opposition, you could say. And there is a lot of uh, infighting uh, about uh, people who challenge the uh, official 9-11 narrative. But uh, whether this goes anywhere good, I don't know. But it, I guess I'm happy to have any uh, opposition resistance to the official narrative. It's always bothered me that, the, let's say, the New York Times and the, and the Wall Street Journal and uh, probably the New York Post, they're all right there. And the major uh, networks, they're there in downtown Manhattan, right? Right, uh, right. They're, they're on the island anyway. And they, they, they just were incurious Absolutely. Oh, yes. Rally around the flag. And it's it's all absurd. The whole uh, official narrative is absurd uh, from ge getting control of these planes, controlling them, flying them at over 550 miles an hour near sea level, which is a, a physical impossibility with these uh, uh, buses in the air. You know, yeah, a jet fighter interceptor can do it, but and on and on. And then they do, they disappear into the building, and then oh, they turn to a fine dust, DNA size. You know, on and on. This the whole thing is, uh, it, it's just aggravating to me. Every anniversary, how w many people know, but they won't speak up. We have a lot of technically competent people, from airline uh, people to engineers and technicians and so on. They know that this is uh, uh, rubbish. Right, right. Well, here's a, 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 a very powerful step forward. Uh, and that happened earlier this month, September 3rd. It was the long-awaited release of a groundbreaking Building 7 study called A Structural Reevaluation of the Collapse of World Trade Center 7, conducted by the University of Alaska Fairbanks. It was a four-year study conducted by Dr. Leroy Hulsey, PhD, and two other researchers, and it's a finite element analysis that uses computer modeling based on the original blueprints for the building, its purpose to determine whether the official explanation for Building 7's destruction stands up, and the conclusion, it doesn't. Here's the executive summary of the study. Fires could not have caused weakening or displacement of structural members capable of initiating any of the hypothetical local failures alleged to have triggered the total collapse of the building, nor could any local failures, even if they had occurred, have triggered a sequence of failure that would have resulted in the observed total collapse, which leads Halsey and his colleagues to this, quote, it is our, it is our conclusion based upon these findings that the collapse of WT7 was a global failure involving the near simultaneous failure of all columns in the building and not a progressive collapse involving the sequential failure of columns throughout the building. So, there you well, go. Well, there I don't go because uh, if Dr. Wood were here, um, she would point out what really happened. You know, that, that, that seven was not alleged to be hit by any aircraft. Okay, we all agree with that. Uh, but, and the, the building was uh, being dustified inside mm. for hours. And uh, it, it, it folded up. It was hollowed out. 
you know, we could, uh, we don't have time to go into all the details, but uh, buy, I don't care if it is $45, it's well worth it. You buy Dr. Wood's book, which is 2010, it's been around, and it's a thorn in everyone's side, apparently. No, and and she was the only uh, conductor of an honest forensic investigation of what happened at the World Trade Center. Well, if people and, want to hear that, I just uh, that podcast that I just aired, that old interview that I did, I did with Doctor Wood, the author of "Where Did the Towers Go?" and you say it's the book of the decade. Uh, if yeah. they go to episode two hundred and eighty, just a few episodes back, and uh, they can listen to that interview. Morgan, no more games. Net. What are you working on next? <laughs> hey, you ask me that every time, and I don't have an answer. <laughs> it's what hey i'm retired so i it's whatever uh, moves me <laughs> whatever well, moves me we know it'll be poignant and cogent and uh well worth the read no more games.net you be safe on that uh, motorcycle and yeah. we will talk again soon thank you richard okay before i dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs I'll be back with a few words on the next episode of Conspiracy Unlimited. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, History from the Dark Side with author Steve Asher. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.